0: to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry.
1: William Hague, who is a British politician, said that we have to face the reality of climate change. It is arguably the biggest threat we're facing today. Hey, Equity Warriors. I'm glad we're together again today. And special shout-out to my Equity Warriors from around the world who are tuning in. I want to invite you from other places to please share with me. Um, Go to AskDrBerry.com. Find me on LinkedIn. Don't look for me on Twitter anymore. That's a whole other story. Uh, But look for me on LinkedIn or on Facebook. LinkedIn is better. Uh, You'll get a quick response there, but let me know what's going on in your part of the world when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism. I'd like to hear from you, and again, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that there are some of the things, or many of the things, perhaps, that I'm talking about here in the U.S. are occurring in other places of the world. I want to know. I want to know more, so please uh, help me with that. We are not talking about climate change as in the atmosphere of the earth today, but I do want to address climate change in terms of the atmosphere of schools and educational services organizations, the places where you work, where you send your children to. Let me give you another one, though, Jane Elliott. Um, And if you have not looked at, studied, if you're not familiar with the work of Jane Elliott, check her out. This woman is a fierce advocate and ally and has been like forever. She is the person um, who performed the brown eyes, blue eyes experiment in her third grade classroom. Um, If you've never heard her speak, find a recording, find the videos of that uh, experiment she did in her classroom. It's amazing. But Jane Elliott said that education in this country is about how to maintain racism and protect the status quo. How to Maintain Racism and Protect the Status Quo. Like many of us, Miss Elliot uses the term melanated to refer to people of color. But I'm pretty sure that she's the one who coined the term melanemic to refer to white people. Um, and by the way, just in case you don't know, Jane Elliott is a white woman. So um, I'm going to use her melanated and melanemic Terms from time to time, I wanted you to be familiar with those, so if they pop out of my mouth, you are not going, what on earth is she talking about? So, what's happening? I was chatting with a client a few days ago, and she said to me, she said, Dr. Barry, I'm so tired. I'm just, I'm tired. And what I heard in her voice the voice of a woman I know to be an equity warrior, a woman who's been involved in this work for probably, I believe it's close to 20 years, a woman who shows up in her school system every single day, supporting and fighting for the most, for children who have been placed at an extreme disadvantage for children who are extraordinarily marginalized. And she is in that fight every single day. She is working with their family. She is working with their teachers. And she's tired. You see, the challenges she faces are probably no different than the challenges many people of color face who are advocates and equity warriors that they face in their systems every single day. And those challenges are because of the climate of the school or organization in which they're working. That's the climate. But climate affects the weather. And in terms of school or organizational climate, it affects the weathering of melanated bodies. Weathering. Weathering is what causes that fatigue. It's what causes some psychological stress. It can cause high blood pressure and a number of other physiological ailments that are real, that wear on the bodies of melanated people climate. So I shared with her um, a book that I read I know sometime in this last year, and I'll give you the information on that book before the end of this episode. And it talks about, and I shared with her, about the differences in the ways our bodies react information, and specifically to information about racism, anti-racism, oppression, just as we're listening. And I thought about and sort of put into context, whether it's in a workshop or in this podcast, and those of you who are listeners only, right, you've not been in a session with me. But as you're listening, if you are in a melanated body, There are probably times when you are nodding, there's recognition, there's the, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many times that has happened to me, okay? Those things, that connectedness, that sense of clarity that someone is talking about and tapping into the experiences that you've had and putting some context around it, that's a little academic, right? Something that you can do with it melanemic bodies, white bodies. And there are differences in reactions depending on whether you are an ally, not yet an ally, working on becoming an ally, or if you are steeped in your your racism and have absolutely no desire to change because you don't believe it's real. But there is typically a reflexive constriction, a tightening up of your body as you hear those messages. There's the denial that comes out first. That's not me. I don't do that. I'm not a racist. There's the justification. Well, that happens because, and I think about, think about how many times have you heard someone in the school system say, well, that's because those kids, those kids, those kids, those are the kids that my client is advocating for, is trying to change the trajectories of their lives because they have been in this system that is designed to maintain racism and protect the status quo and they are not part of the status quo. How many times have you heard a melanemic body say, I'm not like that. I don't see color. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. As I chatted with her, I thought about how bodies, melanated and melanemic, respond when I am face-to-face with them in a workshop or sitting across the desk and doing the work that I do with schools and ed services organizations. And everything that I do is always in the context of school. So we're not just talking about their different behaviors that they might engage in when they're out and about, going to get a cup of coffee at a restaurant, walking a dog in a park, I'm talking about the impact of their behavior, of their beliefs, of their attitudes, of that denial and justification on the lives of children. And I can see the differences in the body language, the physiological responses Of people who are melanated versus people who are melanemic. Of allies versus oppressors. And of those people of color who are in the sunken place. So, over the next week, I want you to tap into how your body is reacting, and I want you to attend to the body language of other people as you have those conversations about race, racism, diversity, equity, inclusion, as you have those difficult conversations. See, doing the work to become an equity warrior, and even if you're just working on becoming an ally, means that you're working on becoming an anti-racist, and that means that you have to have these conversations. I've said it before, it's hard work, but it's work that we have to engage in if we're going to escape our own prisons of I, working on ourselves, becoming comfortable in our discomfort in order to get to that open space of we, right? So how do we do this? We have to remember those first three behaviors. I've talked about this before. What do we have to master when we're going to talk about equity, racism, anti-racism? First, we have to work on ourselves. We have to work on us. We have to master our own stories. How do I tell my story to my client? How do you tell people that you work with? that what they're doing is harmful and put it in a context that they can understand. And that third behavior focusing on what's within your own span of control. Because you can't fix everything. We can't change the climate all by ourselves. But we have to protect our bodies against the weathering that that climate is causing. So I'm going to talk to my melanated brothers and sisters for a second. Then I'm going to get to my melanemic brothers and sisters. Okay, so hang on white people, black and brown folks. Like I said to my client, you have to learn to compartmentalize. Find your personal Kevlar suit. And then I thought about it, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we all had like that Black Panther suit where we could just wear the necklace thing and then it would turn into this this full body armor suit so that what they said just bounced right off of us, that it didn't affect us, that it couldn't create or, or worsen the weathering that's taking place in our bodies, the elevating of our blood pressures. So find your Kevlar. No, you won't have the Black Panther suit. But what is it that you do How do you protect your own body? That's work you have to do. It's still important, though, critically important, that you experience those acts, those microaggressions, those macroaggressions, that you recognize them, that you take note of them. What was it that they did? And you may not be able to determine where on earth that came from. Bottom of the iceberg or the why. Again, kind of bottom of the iceberg. But you have to note it. And when appropriate, have those conversations about what was said and the harm that it does. And if it's not something that was said, something that was done, the harm that is done with that behavior. But then you have to find the way to let it go. Because you see, if you hold on to all of that in your body, that's just more weathering. If I held on to everything that I take in when I'm doing a workshop, I couldn't do it. I shared with a few people as they ask, you know, people ask me after a particularly contentious uh, workshop, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's multiple days in a row. But sometimes people will ask, or actually almost always, someone will ask, how do you do this? And how do you take care of yourself after something like this? Doesn't it just get to be too much? And I told them, and so I'll share with you, my way of self-care, and you have to have your way of self-care, is to what I call cocoon. If I'm traveling, I go to my hotel, I get something to eat, usually that means french fries, sort of a comfort food, and I wrap up in a blanket and I'll put on a chick flick or I'll put on a nature series. And just take time to let my body compartmentalize what came in, to file things away, to recognize where that comes from, and to heal. Which often means taking a very long nap in the middle of the afternoon, but that's okay with me. Naps are good. Naps allow your brain to put things where they need to be. Sleeping is when our bodies repair and heal themselves. So don't discount that. You have to have self-care. And whether that's individual, like I do, or if it's finding that group, those people who are your people, those people you can have these conversations with where you are not judged, where they're not holding it over your head, where there's no fear of retribution, engage in that self-care. Now, white people, my melanemic brothers and sisters, I didn't forget about you. Your task is a little bit different. You see, you don't need the Kevlar. You should not have the Kevlar. So you've been protected by whiteness and white skin forever. And so you have not had to attend to oppression and racism because you haven't experienced oppression or racism. Jane Elliott also said, to sit back and do nothing is to cooperate with the oppressor. Or as I say, to be silent is to be complicit, right? Same thing. So what you need to do is learn to speak up. If you're going to be an ally, you have to be able, be willing to put your own body on the line in support of people of color, in support of anti-racism work of diversity, equity, inclusion. But if you are still in that space where you're saying, but that's not me, or I'm trying, I'm really trying, try harder. Try harder. You see, weathering will not affect you in the climate that is oppressive in a school system. It just won't. And I'm also going to challenge you white people in particular, because you can have that comfort in listening to these podcasts, listening to these messages and and taking it in for yourself. But I'm going to challenge you specifically to share these messages with other people. See, melanated folks, we have to do this work. We've been doing this work. But we are not the oppressor, we do not have the power to shift entire organizations, to shift systems the way white people do. So it means that we need you to get to other white people to raise their level of awareness. So please share this episode, share the podcast, invite someone else to listen, and then have a conversation with them about how they feel, what they learned. Can they go on this journey with you? That's my challenge to you. And then to everyone, check your climate. Check your climate in your school, in your district, in your office, in your organization. If you did an equity, equity audit that included a piece on climate and culture, go back and take a look at that. Have you made the adjustments that are necessary in order to shift the climate of your organization? If you've not done an equity audit or you've not done a climate audit, climate and culture, do one. If you don't know how, shoot me a message at AskDrBerry.com and I'll give you some some guidance. The book I talked about, I didn't forget, sitting right here next to me. The book is called My Grandmother's Hands. And the author is a licensed clinical social worker who's been on Oprah and Dr. Phil. The praise for that book is just amazing. It's like a who's who in DEI and anti-racism work that have written reviews about the book. My grandmother's hands. And I'm going to be very intentional here in saying I'm not, I don't want to mispronounce anyone's names ever. And I hope I'm saying the author's names, the author's name right. It's Resma. Menachem, M-E-N-A-K-E-M, my grandmother's hands. Don't just buy the book. Read it. Reread. Because as you do, you'll see that there are activities in there for helping you along this journey and understanding weathering and what it does to the body. And it speaks intentionally to white bodies, dark bodies, and even police bodies. So if you have a school resource officer that you think needs a little work, A, share this podcast with them. Let them get it firsthand. B, if their behavior is is in that white denial space or that police body denial space, which is very similar, again, what is it about school systems designed to maintain racism and protect the status quo? They're part of that system of systemic oppression. They need to learn just as well. So buy the book. Read the book. Do the activities in the book. Work on yourself. Because we have to do the work on ourselves first. And then join me every week. Send your questions, topics, and requests to AskDrBerry.com. And I'll answer those questions and trying to bring you some new experts to help address those topics. Don't worry about the things you cannot change.
0: That's it change for today's episode you can of the no 3D accept. Podcast. I'll see you next time. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's Gift. Then join us on the next episode.